0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Carl Bashkari about leadership as an inner state to impact individuals, organizations, relationships, and societies. Ashkari, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to have you with me today. I'm excited to have a, a fun conversation about leadership with you, and we've been preparing for this episode for a while now, and you have a really great background uh, as a consultant, and I'll, I'll share uh, your bio here in just a moment. Before we get started with that, though, I did want to introduce the topic for today, which is as many listeners will recognize you know we we talk about leadership all the time but today we're going to be talking about leadership as an interstate what that means and the implications for that in terms of how it impacts individuals organizations our relationships and really societies at large uh, and i'm excited as someone who does work both in the leadership the consulting but as well as the social impact space uh, i'm excited to see how all of this overlays and the intersectionality of all of this as we have our conversation together today. As we get started, I did want to share Carl's bio with everybody. Carl is a formal management consultant and currently serves as a men's leadership coach. He transformed his health and his life by discovering his true self and connecting with his power and his heart as part of a three-year journey recovering from a chronic illness. One which kept him mostly housebound. Through his journey, Carl learned a great deal about the importance of aligning his mind, emotions, nervous system, and physical body, and how to balance masculine and feminine traits within himself to become a purposeful and impact-driven leader. Carl facilitates men's workshops and will be hosting a leadership intensive, the Leadership Brotherhood, in 2021. The purpose of this transformational program is to help other men discover and express themselves powerfully and truthfully, To live a fulfilled life and become an inspiring emotionally intelligent leader who creates thriving and unified businesses and intimate relationships. I love that. I love, as you say, you know, that connection uh, between the balance of masculine and feminine traits, um, connecting the mind, emotions, nervous system, and physical body. I love all of that and I I'm excited to explore that with you today. Before we dive in on into the conversation, anything else that you would like to share by way of personal background, um, history, anything that could lay the groundwork for the conversation?
1: Yeah, I think just doubling downing on that is, you know, through this through this journey that I've been through, being in the world of management consulting um, before that hedge fund, world of hedge fund operations as well, um, just realizing how much of the world we live in is, is on the outside, is, is us operating based on a set of rules and based on a set of uh, schematics, based on a, an operation that's already been laid out for us and set for us. And what I'd like for people to think about and feel into as they're listening to this conversation is, what, what is it that's you? When when you're when you're listening to some of the things that we're talking about, what are some of the things that are really feeling like they resonate with you? That that's your true core, and maybe you may have not even allowed yourself to to show that or express that. So, just something I'd like everyone to to feel into.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I, I love that. And and perhaps before we really dive in, uh, since you mentioned it in your bio, I would love to if you're comfortable sharing. I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of your past career pathway, and how that intersected with the chronic illness issues that you were having, uh, and how that got you to where you're at today in your approach. Yes, absolutely. So
1: I, I graduated with a, a business degree, um, started off working in the world of, of hedge fund operations, then after that asset management doing international operations in UK as well as uh, in the US, I was based out of San Francisco and did that for about seven years. And then uh, I had a desire to, you know, being in San Francisco to work a little bit in the tech startup world. So I did business development for a tech startup for about a year and also became a blogger for the internet of things, you know, the smart devices, smart cars, uh, Alexa, all of that. And that uh, led me into a management consulting job, which was really a dream of mine, you know, working that, that work hard, play hard lifestyle, um, being able to solve different problems every few months and come into different situations. Um, but I noticed that me personally, my working style was one of push power through ignore, ignore my body. You know, I always had that, when, you know, management consulting world, you're, you're out till midnight what, doing something or another, whether it's for a client, whether it's for building out practices, whether it's billing, you know, you're in the hotel rooms, you're working. And there's a lot of milestones to be had. And I loved what I did. And I, you know, I worked for a great company. However, my working style was not working for me. I'm someone who needs sleep. But I told myself, you know what, I'm strong and powerful. So I don't need sleep. I'm someone that actually, now I've learned, has a strong intuition and actually comes up with a lot of creative solutions when I give myself space for them. But at the time, that space was not had. So there were a lot of things that I was working against my true nature, is the best way I'd summarize it, just to fit into the to be a cog in the wheel and to fit into how the operation was going. And I ended up, like I said, falling sick, uh, coming up with an illness called chronic fatigue syndrome um, and fibromyalgia. And it probably had a, you know, I say the word probably because there's not a finite science on this, but there was likely a viral onset that had me predisposed. Many people with COVID actually long COVID are are coming down with this, but triggered by stress. And it was definitely triggered by just cups of coffee, Red Bull, five-hour energy, making it through red-eye flights, two-hour flights in the middle of the morning. And it triggered me. I would wake up with strong symptoms of neuroinflammation, of body aches, fatigue, unable to move, and just dizziness, just the whole room world just cycling around me. And i tried to i tried to get back to my old way of life and my body said no so on to a now almost three year long journey of recovery of inner work of meditating for hours a day different embodiment practices to really really understand how to slow down brainwave states how to build heart coherence how to send blood flow to my legs when I wasn't able to walk. I I was uh, housebound for eight months, sending blood flow down to my legs was something I had to learn how to do. So, you know, we can get into it as we get into the details here, but um, the journey really forced me to look inward and create the most aligned version of myself.
0: Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, You know, that's, it's a compelling story and I, I wish, I could say it's it's an uncommon story, but I think many people drive themselves into the ground that way with that kind of a high-profile, high-intensity lifestyle, um, and uh, you know, our our focus as a society to constantly be achieving and performing, and and we tend to end up stressing ourselves out and and causing anxiety and pushing ourselves to the limits beyond. You know, really, where our body and mind are intended to go, I believe, oftentimes. And you, you said very at the very beginning of of um, describing that situation, you know, that you discovered you were a person that needs sleep, and I couldn't help but chuckle a little bit because I'm like, yeah, of course, like we all do, and it's the exceptionally rare person who can get by on four or five hours of sleep a night on a continual basis, um, without negative health implications. I have known a few people like that, but it's most people really do need, you know, their, their seven or eight hours of sleep on a regular basis, and at least hopefully six hours <laughs> um, on a mm-hmm. regular basis. And, and when you don't, it does have health imp- implications and it does have, you know, not just physical health, but mental health implications. And that then spills over into your workplace. And you mentioned the connection between your sleep and mindfulness and creativity. And you know, you the fact that you really can be a creative and innovative person if you allow yourself that that space, right, and that to to have that alignment and to just take care of yourself enough that you have the mental capacity to be creative, right? And I think mm-hmm. if, I think many listening can probably resonate with what you were what you were just saying. So all of that has brought you to where you're at, where you're continuing, you know, to practice, um, in, you know, as you you're striving for recovery, you, you continue to practice mindfulness and meditation and other sorts of practices. And I imagine this connects with how you talk about leadership as an interstate. Uh, but maybe you could talk more about that specifically. What do you mean by that? What what do you mean by leadership as an interstate? And what does that look like for anyone listening, you know, organizational leaders, executives out there who are listening to this podcast? Yeah, um, are you open
1: to me asking you a question? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, you, you speak with, with leaders on a daily, weekly basis here. For, for the world that we need, for the world that people like you know that we need with more unity, with more co-creation, inclusivity,
0: how would you define a leader? Well, for me, a leader is someone who first and foremost um, puts the needs of their people as top priority. And so if they wanna see change within the organization, they wanna see change within their community or within society, um, they have to start from a place of humility and a place of um, striving for empowerment and developing those around them. And when ego gets in the way, when we when we view ourselves as a leader, as someone who is above those you know, quote unquote, below us, um, that actually reinforces a lot of the negative systems and structures that cause a lot of the problems that we see in society. Um, so that's very briefly, kind of how I look at it. Awesome, thank you, Jonathan. And that's that's so
1: similar to to how I would say it. So that's that's quite amazing. Um, yeah, I, I see a leader as as a facilitator and a and a conductor, not not the not the overpowering force of the company but someone who is who is light and able to to create that space and maybe help people bring out their strengths and cover for their weaknesses or develop their weaknesses by being able to be what he or she needs to be for the company to succeed for his or her people to succeed and I, I I do believe with you that the paradigm shift that first needs to happen is one of leaders taking themselves out of the equation in terms of being the finite decision maker, being the one to pass along his or her belief systems, quote unquote down, um, to be the one who sets the stage for the mission, the one who creates the message for the company and then expects others to carry out their message. That's what I've seen so much in the companies that I've worked for is you see people with director titles, executive titles, who are really just speaking the message of somebody else. And to me, when I'm, when I'm in a room with someone like that, I don't feel the leadership. I see it in the job title but it's not in that person's way of being. So to me, the ultimate leader is someone who can create space for other leaders and can help people become leaders. And that's where I go back to saying, being a facilitator, being a conductor and being able to really harness the strengths and help their workforce go deeper into their own empowerment to go deeper into their own belief system, to go deeper into their own unique makeup because each individual has a makeup and that has something to contribute to the brand. And when you can build a company of, let's say hypothetically in your department 50 people, 50 people who are bringing in their core beliefs, their intuition, their creative genius into the equation, as opposed to maybe three people and then 47 carrying out the message and executing. Imagine the business growth, the financial growth, the company culture. It's, it's, it's quite amazing when you see leaders who are able to, to implement that. And, you know, we see it. We see it in a lot of the, the modern companies. You're seeing it in, in Google and a lot of the, the new age technology companies. And when you go to some of the more for lack of better term, archaic companies with more old school visions. It's just a few people laying the direction and so many human beings who have genius, who have creativity, who have intelligence, dumbing it down and numbing it just to carry out someone else's message.
0: organizations, and work. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Absolutely, I see it all the time and it's so sad to me. Um, What a waste of an opportunity of a tremendous resource that so many organizations uh, aren't leveraging that collective genius of their people, like you just said. So if, if you know, uh, uh, executive all the way down through middle management to the line supervisor, if all their leadership role and title really involves is, is being the communicator of the party line of, of, of what the top organizational leader says, then you are set up for, for failure. Uh, you, um, mm-hmm. Unless you happen to have the most ingenious person at the helm <laughs> that's ever lived uh, or one of the most ingenious people, then you, you aren't going to be able to see everything. And, and there's a reason why we talk so much about diversity and inclusion, because you need diversity of perspectives in order to look around the corner of the future and see what's coming and come up with better, more creative Uh, solutions that will help you add value to the marketplace. And when you have a top-down hierarchical structure pushing information down and people feel scared to be be creative or innovate, um, then the organization won't thrive. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that's kind of how a lot of organizations are set up. That's kind of the point of bureaucracies is to maintain the status quo. And so if we want to be leaders of innovative organizations, we have to find uh, healthy ways to create a safe environment for people dis- to disrupt the status quo, to disrupt and to push back on the bureaucracy, especially mm-hmm. on, on those systems that that uh, are uh, negative and, and, and have negative impacts on those around them. So all of this, I think, connects back to uh, what I, I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, in terms of um, connecting leadership as an inner state, recognizing like I need to be connected with myself and comfortable with myself and confident in myself in such a way um, that allows me to focus on others. That requires like when 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 I think of an ego-driven leader, um, someone who barks out orders and just wants people to comply that person is not actually confident. Even though they try to convey confidence, that person is uh, actually uh, quite insecure. Uh, and that's why yes. they have to build up this facade around them uh, and, and put up protections around them and, and get people to comply with them. It's the, the secure individual the who's inward looking, um, who is comfortable with themselves, who's genuine and authentic, and then can set themselves aside and focus on development of others. So as we talk about that as the interstate, how do we then move that towards having this positive impact on individuals, organizations, all, and all the relationships that we might encounter in our daily lives? Yeah. So basically through my
1: programs, I have a process to exactly to what you were speaking to, tap into that interstate and to work with it. and. Unfortunately, the first step is the most important step. And that's like anything else is admitting that there is something, there's an action that needs to be taken. Um, And because the work to really develop what I like to call inner congruence, that's, that's what we call being comfortable in your own skin. That's what, you know, taking yourself out of the ego equation, like you mentioned, in order to do that, it takes a commitment. It absolutely takes a commitment to self and commitment to wanting to elevate those around you. So for people willing to take that commitment, I see it as, as three steps. And that's what I do in the programs that I run. The first is the psychophysiological alignment. And that is really being able to actually tap into yourself. I know for me, I'm a very highly intellectual person, always been math, uh, business, finance, those type of things have always been my forte. There's so many aspects of myself and my body that I just completely was disconnected to. So when I talk about the psychophysiological alignment, I'm talking about the alignment of the mind, the emotional center of the mind, the nervous system, which is very important and very underrated, and the physical body. And that's doing it through practices such as meditation, breath work, emotional expression, emotional identification. Uh, Like when I talk about emotional identification, when I first started healing and I was numb neck down, I would watch Pixar movies every night just to teach myself how to feel. Just to teach myself how to feel, just to, to, because I knew that I couldn't, feel strongly about my own experiences, so maybe with, with this movie. So doing all these different practices to be able to, to tap into the different aspects of ourselves, our minds, our emotions, our nervous system, and our physical body, um, That's that's really powerful. And that comes through training, repetition, and practice. So the second element is alignment of the inner self with the outer expression. So once tapped in, once connected, you know, outside of, you know, with the first process will be, you'd be lowering brain state, brainwave states. You'll be developing heart coherence. You'll be balancing your nervous system to be more relaxed and restored. Your mind and body being relaxed and restored, getting out of that burnout. But once you get past that, you also start to, through this process, you start to learn about yourself. You start to tap into that intuitive sense in your body. You start to tap into the core beliefs. Okay, this actually makes me respond in this way. And you start to develop a little bit of a deeper subconscious intelligence. So that second step is really about the inner awareness of clearing the emotional blocks and the limiting beliefs that have been collected over the 20 30 40 60 70 years you've been on this planet and clearing those away to know okay what is been what of my belief system what of my feelings have been put on by somebody else and what is truly me and truly uncovering the true nature and some of the shadows that come along with it and combining that with the man or woman you desire to be in the world and expressing yourself fully as one united self where each word you say is coming directly from a core belief or feeling of the moment. Each action you take is aligned with who you believe you are and the man or woman you wanna be in the world. And, you know, that sounds like something that a lot of people say, yeah, I do that. But when you really break it down and you're able to be an observer of your own thoughts, feelings, and actions, you start to realize how many actions we take are out of alignment and through some of these processes you get the opportunity to bring yourself into alignment and that level of inner work people can feel it um you know the statistic of i, I don't remember the percentage but the subconscious communication is a majority of how people receive you um, and when we're able to cultivate this inner alignment where we're speaking our truth not always saying what people want to hear But speaking our truth and acting on our core beliefs and feelings, that's when that's when you'll notice people respond. That's when our relationships, intimate relationships, start really coming together. That's when people who follow our leadership want to put in the extra effort, the extra hustle to to support you because they because you can trust, they can trust into someone who is directional. They can trust into someone. Who has a passionate belief and is going to do anything to go down that road and will not be altered by what anyone else says or thinks. And that is trustable leadership. And cultivating that within oneself
0: allows others to fall and relax into that leadership. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And what you s- closed your comment with that people can trust and feel comfortable. And and then they can come along with you in that style and that pattern of leadership that ultimately will allow them to maximize their own personal potential, allow the team, the group to maximize their collective genius, and that helps the organization to succeed. And if we can couple that focus in our inner work, in our leadership with, with empowering those around us, if we can couple that with also... An, atten- an attentiveness to some of society's biggest, most perplexing problems and challenges. Mm-hmm. Our organization's most perplexing challenges, solving those, uh, being willing and able to speak up and speak out and feeling safe to do so, to tackle, to disrupt the status quo and tackle organizational problems, but also at a community and societal level. Um, mm-hmm. Because r- right now, you know, in the US, I'll take the US as an example, even though we have listeners from all over the world, but you know, our public discourse is largely broken. Uh, our 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 political discourse is largely broken. People can't disagree with each other and have a meaningful mm-hmm. conversation. Um, and we need to get past that. We need to get to the point where people can give each other the benefit of the doubt, create a safe space where people can communicate and share different opinions, and then try to work together to tackle the, the biggest challenges that we face as a society. And some of them are very, um, dramatic. I mean, we talk about things like climate change that have have a tremendous um, impact on the world as we know it and the world that we're leaving to our children and grandchildren. And these are the types of things we have to pay attention to. Systemic racism, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the list could go on and on and on. And so I think unless we can be more cognizant of our own inner self and then communicate like create an environment where we're creating a safe space for those around us in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our societies, we're we're not going to get to the point where we can make a meaningful impact in the world. Um, But I know you and I both, you know, have that never-ending, never-dying hope and and, uh, optimism that we can do this, we can do it, but we need to focus on it to move things forward in a positive direction. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And I'll touch on the third piece in a moment. There's one more piece to that equation, but um, I just want to respond to what you just said. I think a lot of the public discourse is coming from, I believe it's coming from our progress. And we're just getting the opportunity to learn how to adapt from that progress because we are becoming, you know, globalization has hit. And we are having people from different cultures and, and ethnic backgrounds living in different countries, traveling, you know, expat communities everywhere. And there is a lot, of, um, there's a lot of mixing. We have the rise of the feminist movement coming, a lot more women in the workplace and powerful roles. So all these amazing things, which we've been working towards for decades, and it's just bringing up a new challenge for us. And that challenge is... You know, we we grew up in villages. At one point, all of us came from villages, core belief systems that everyone agreed with. We all ate the same way. We all talked the same way. And now, with everyone coming together, there's an opportunity to to mix and, and mingle. And what is happening that I believe is causing a lot of this discourse is... there's still an essence of one way is the right way. And, you know, we're seeing it certainly in our political system and just in a lot of different ways that what we spoke to earlier about in organizations, the fall in line approach is the public discourse, the public message is becoming fall in line. And what it's really doing is it's really taking away the beautiful, flavors of the different cultures coming together and the different genders coming together and the different types of people coming together. So how can we all as individual leaders, whoever you are, learn to be with a different set of ideals? Even if maybe we view it as wrong or immoral, can we reach across the aisle and educate and help and have a conversation about maybe why we believe someone else's perspective is wrong? and really get them to understand us through connection, through human connection. At the end of the day, we all want to be loved and we all want to be safe and secure. And we do all kinds of crazy things to accomplish that. And what I'm, what I'm calling forth for, for the people listening is, how can we be more patient with the change process and truly understand the person who we view to be our enemy or on the other side of our perspective and allow their perspective while maybe standing for ours and just having them understand it as opposed to making people wrong for thinking differently. So just something that, that's really important to me because I'm seeing it a lot in the world and it hurts to see that. It hurts to see that because we all want to, to connect, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Carl, uh... It's been a pleasure talking with you. It's only, we've only scratched the surface. We could continue going deeper and deeper into this. Um, but I, I do want to be um cognizant of your time. Um yeah. before, before we close, I do want to give you a chance to give the last word uh for today. And perhaps I can have you back on another time where we can continue the conversation. But I also wanted to give yeah. you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about um what you're doing, your current work, and I know you have an upcoming um Uh, Retreat that's going to be happening uh, that you can talk a little bit about as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thank you. So, yeah, so I run, uh, I facilitate men's work specifically for men on a lot of these issues around uh, leadership and around showing up as, like I said, our true authentic self and being tapped in with our core belief system and our emotional intelligence to really be able to express that authentically. Um, and I have a virtual program which will be launched in a few months finalizing the details on that. Uh, It's called Elevate, and it's around, again, working through those blockages, working through those emitting beliefs and some of the patterns that we keep repeating and coming to a place of neutrality and an elevated state, an elevated state where we feel optimistic each day. We feel we're charismatic with the people around us, so clearing that what you want to call baggage and really opening ourselves up to infinite possibilities through our way of being in our interstate. So if anyone wants to learn more about that program, it's an eight-week uh, virtual program with group coaching. You can go to carlashkari.com slash elevate. And in the fall, like you mentioned, I'm working... Through a comprehensive transformation program called the Leadership Brotherhood. And that will be a retreat component along with weekly uh, virtual coaching and training to completely shift the inner state of what we talked about, elevating the emotional state, as well as being able to tap into the more feminine sides of ourselves of compassion, expression, play, vitality, all of that with the masculine sides of our leadership, speaking our truth, courage, powerful action, um, all of that. So that's a six-month transformational program. And if you would like to learn more about that, it's,
0: feel free to go to karlashkari.com slash leadership brotherhood. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Carl. It has been a real pleasure talking with you today. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected with Carl, find out more about what he can do for you and uh, your relationships, your leadership, your organizations, check out uh, these events that are coming up. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.